Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Without the power of the Holy Ghost, we're nothing, man. Without the power of the Holy Ghost, all this is is just religion and routine and ritualism. Without the power of the Holy Ghost, we are relegated to just another religious institution. We're just another uh, uh, God amongst gods. We're just another ch- an organization, a 501c3, a nonprofit. We're no different than the Red Cross or any other type of humanitarian effort. We're reduced to just handing out socks and building homes and just putting like roofs over people's homes and just helping them on a very natural level, which all those things I'm all for. I'm strong on it. We partner with a ministry that feeds kids overseas. It's called Feed the Hungry. We partner with that. We believe in in, in helping people on a natural level. We believe Jesus met the needs of people. He multiplied the fish. He multiplied the bread. But the mission of Jesus Christ to the earth was not so that people can be well fed as they march on towards hell. The mission of the gospel the first john 3 8 bible says it very clear for this reason did jesus christ come to the earth for this reason was the son of god made manifest towards men it was so that we might he might destroy the work of the devil and i want you to notice something people always say well that was jesus he was the son of god you know he had a special mission well john 20 says before jesus left he breathed on the apostles he breathed on his disciples as they were gathered in the upper room and he said receive you the holy ghost as the living father sent me now i'm sending you so the very same mission the same reason god made uh, jesus manifest to the earth to destroy the work of the devil is the same reason why god's placed us here on this earth has saved us and anointed us it's not so we can have little pep rallies for believers within the four walls of the church what we what we receive in the church is so that we can go and deliver it out there beyond the four walls of the church that's why paul said that which i have received from the lord i didn't keep it i didn't i didn't uh Uh, I didn't cling to it. I didn't just keep it for myself. No, I did not shrink back from whatever I've received from the Lord. I didn't shrink back from delivering it to others. Jesus told his disciples, freely you have received, now freely give. We don't receive so we can just be benefited. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but the blessing is going to be such an overflow that it's going to reach people around you and you are going to make a lasting impact on the earth. That's why we're here. That's why we're here on planet earth. It's not so we can just wait 80 years, 90 years and get rapture ready and die, save up for retirement. We're here to be a trouble to the devil. We're here to be a wrecking ball to hell's work on the earth. We're here to do a great work for God, to to do what Jesus said. As you go, heal the sick, cast out devils. And disrupt the devil's plans everywhere you go. So please share this broadcast. I'm going to get in it. Why you need the Holy Ghost. Why do you need the Holy Ghost? By the way, I'm going to be on Isaiah Saldivar's broadcast tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we're going to be discussing what do you do after deliverance? You know, we're not called to go from deliverance to deliverance. We're called to go from glory to glory, from deliverance to dominion, from faith to faith, and from strength to strength, and from uh, from um, victory to victory. So tonight is going to be a a very, uh, very instructional 
and beneficial broadcast where it's going to show you practical keys to move from a place of deliverance, a move from a place where you're always needing breakthrough, always the community prayer project to the place where now you're carrying that power to, to this generation. And you're not the one in need. You're the one going about meeting other people's needs because of the power of God in you. So tune in tonight, Isaiah Salivar's uh, YouTube or Facebook, and I'll see you there. But until then, we're going to get on with today's broadcast, Why You Need the Holy Ghost. Why You Need the Holy Ghost. He is not a thing. People, you know, they refer to the Holy Spirit like he's some it or some vibe or energy in the, in the air, like he's some electrifying environment. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not some vibe or energy in the air. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit, just as much as Jesus is a person and God the Father is a person, the Bible calls them the divine trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's just as much God as Jesus is God. He's just as much God as God the Father is God. They all are triune triune they're a triune being they have separate roles that they play but they're all one the bible says the lord your god he is one they're all one they all work together they're separate persons they're individual persons but they're one in purpose they're one in agenda they're one in thought and they're one in heart and so when you see creation people that like they almost see like the holy spirit as some like you know, taboo area that we shouldn't really bring it up just, just in case people don't know what they're talking about or just in case people get into some weird things. And they, they kind of avoid the discussion of preaching the theology of the Holy Spirit, but you can't avoid it because if you go through the entire Bible, you look in Genesis, he's there. God, the Holy Spirit didn't just show up in Acts chapter two. He's been there since the beginning. In Genesis, the Bible says, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1 1, 1. verse two says, and the spirit of God was brooding over the waters. So God's spirit was involved at creation. The spirit of God was hovering over this globe, this sphere, this spherical rock. And the Bible says that when God said, let there be light, the Holy Ghost went to action and brought to pass everything God's word spoke into existence. So the Holy Spirit was there at creation. You move on. He's there in, uh, in the days of the dedication of the temple, the Bible says the Spirit of God inundated, flooded the temple so that the priest could not even stand to minister. The Bible says the Spirit of God was there in David's day when the Spirit of God rested upon David and came mightily upon him. The Bible says that in 2 Chronicles 20, the Israel had been um, challenged by three armies and they wanted to devastate them and wipe them off the face of the earth. And the Bible says when Hezekiah cried out to the Lord, or Jehoshaphat, sorry, Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord that the Spirit of the Lord came upon um, I think his name was Ezrael or someone like that. I forget the, the name, but it came upon someone and he began to prophesy and gave instructions to the people of God. You see it in the days of Samson when the Spirit of God came mightily upon Samson. He received supernatural strength to do those things which are not human, humanly, uh, that, that a human does not have the capacity to do. They're not, it's not in human ability to do what Samson did, to kill a thousand Philistines with his bare hands and the jawbone of a, of a donkey. You see the Spirit of God in the days of Samuel when it was on him to prophesy and tell things that were to come to pass. You see the Spirit of God in the birth, in the conception of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, 
when Mary had that encounter with the angel, Gabriel told her that the way this thing is going to come to pass is not by normal human, uh, human ways or methods. The power of the Most High is going to come on you, and the Spirit of God will overshadow you, and that which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of the Most High God. So the Spirit of God was present in the conception of Jesus Christ. You move on. When Jesus was baptized in water, he came up and the Bible says the heavens were open and the spirit of God came and rested upon him like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. People think that he's a dove. He's not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not actual fire. He's likened unto a dove. He's likened unto fire. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, he's likened unto water, but he is not, he is not just fire. He's not actual fire that you can play with. He's not a dove that you can just tweet at him and he'll come and rest on your finger. He is a person and he is part of the divine trinity and the scripture says he rested on Jesus. Jesus actually said, I can do nothing of my own initiative. I can't do anything of my own power. It is the spirit of the father who lives in me, who enables me to accomplish the work that you see me do. You see the Spirit of God in Luke chapter 14 when Jesus came and stood up at the synagogue and there was handed him the, pro the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He began to read from Isaiah 61 where it says that the Messiah would come and he would say these words, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to do what? Not to shake and quake on the ground, which all that's fine. There's people that react differently. Some people cry, some people laugh, some people fall, some people stand, some people jump, some people dance some people run it doesn't matter how you react the fact is i don't care if you fall or dance as long as something's different on the inside of you when you get up there's too many people in the church that are falling and getting back up the same way they fell there's too many people they give them courtesy falls well everybody else is falling so i might as well go back myself that's not how it should be if i fall it's because the power of god hit me if i dance it's because the power of god hit me if i laugh it's because the power of god hit me and something's changing on the inside and I'm going to be different and the outside is going to see the work that God did for me on the inside. The Bible says in Philippians 2, the very purpose of the Holy Spirit's ministry to the believer is what? God is at work in you and through you to do his good pleasure. When God's Spirit comes and, and rests on a person and fills a person, it's not so that we can go back to smoking, alcohol, uh, smoking pot and drinking alcohol and bound by addiction and drugs and nothing's changed on the outside the bible says every encounter when we encounter the presence and power of god it's so that we can move from a place of depravity to a place of abundance a place of penury to a place of prosperity a place of captivity to a place of liberty a place of bondage to a place of freedom a place of sickness to a place of healing and that's what my god's going to do for you today in the name of jesus christ you might have been taught that the holy spirit's just the dove that came and rested on Jesus and that's about the only thing you ever heard of, of the Holy Spirit but there's so much more to the ministry and power and presence of the Holy Spirit you look at how he ministered in the book of Acts you notice how it's not called first of all some Bibles they say it's the book of the Acts of the Apostles uh, to a certain degree it is but it's actually better translated or better interpreted the books it should have been named the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles everything you saw the Apostles do in that book called the book of Acts 
uh, is 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 and the disciples, not just apostles, disciples, regular guys, regular church church attendees. They were they were flowing with the Holy Spirit, and you see what the Holy Spirit empowered them to do. The Bible says many signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles, and great fear swept on the the entire region because they saw the work of God being done through the the hands of simple people, people that were untrained, people that were uneducated, people that in the natural there was no they wouldn't be able to accomplish anything in the natural they were just fishermen in the natural they were just tax collectors in the natural some of them were prostitutes before they had an encounter with God but the Bible says when the spirit of God had entered into them and they had an encounter with the presence and power of that spirit not only were their lives different God empowered them to be a different a different make a difference maker everywhere they went they not only received the change they became an agent of change everywhere they went so i want to go through why you need the holy ghost five points today why you need the holy ghost that he's not an option he is so not an option you want to know why i know he's not an option because when paul got saved on the road to damascus and ananias was told and instructed by Jesus himself to go and find Paul, not so that he can only have his, his sight back. The Bible says Jesus told him, go and pray for him that he might have his sight back. And then he laid hands on Paul to receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is such an integral part of Christianity that the work Jesus wanted to do in Paul's life wasn't even complete until he received the Holy Spirit. Then you move on. When Paul goes to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, and he begins to, he saw, he found a group of 12 disciples that had been saved, and they were baptized in the baptism of John. But Paul says, the first, the very first question he asked those disciples was not, hey, can I hear the greatest testimony you guys have? Hey, can I? Hey, Sydney, Roy Knox from Sydney, Australia. God bless you. We're praying for y'all. Because as bad as Canada is right now, I know you guys are, are, are a step further. So we're praying for you. Paul didn't ask them, you know, what's the greatest miracle you guys have seen? He didn't ask them, hey, you know, who came to preach? You know, how did you guys get the gospel? You know, you got to realize this is the the first moments of the gospel uh, going across the earth. You know, it's not like you know you go to you go to Turkey today and you'll find Christians there. Yeah, because you know there's churches everywhere right now. You go to Australia today. You go to Cambodia for wherever you go, you're gonna find believers. There's the gospel has gone throughout the four corners of the earth. But this is like the first, the first few uh, years of the gospel going out, and Paul finds disciples there. And he's kind of confused, and he says, "But the first thing he asked them is not how did the gospel come here. The first question he asked them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? You got to look at the the um." The, 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 the importance he placed on Christians being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The very first ask, the question he asked them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit? That's how intimate Paul was with the Holy Spirit. That's how much Paul knew the ministry of the Holy Spirit was vital and required for Christian living, successful Christian living. And they said, no, we haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Whatever you don't get taught and preached to you, you're going to be severely uh, missing out 
on what God wants to do in you. Whatever is not taught and preached into you from the Bible, you're disqualified from partaking of that thing. If you're not taught and preached on healing and divine healing as found in the Bible, you're probably not going to walk in divine health and healing. If you're not taught and, and, uh, and preached from the Bible on the prosperity and the, the uh, provision aspect of it, you're probably going to have a hard time in your life having your needs met and constantly go from need to need and constantly needing to be a, a, you know, a, a project for the community where everybody's always try, having to lend you a, a hand of help. If you don't understand what the Bible says on, 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 on dominion over the devil, you're probably going to be a, a victim of the devil every day and you're going to have your rear end tossed to and fro because you don't understand that we have authority over darkness and power over Satan himself and so whatever you're not taught and preached to out of the Bible you're going to be severely hurt and harmed in that area that's why we take time to preach that's why I take time to do these broadcasts because I'm tired and I'm really irritated by believers living far below their divine place and position that they should be walking at believers are living far below the inheritance that's been given to them they're living far below the experience that has been owed and the Bible says Jesus shed his blood for you to walk in a high level in life. The Bible says that we are to walk on the high places of the earth. And because there's, you know, the Bible says my people are destroyed. Not because there's a big devil, not because there's big problems, not because there's a great demon at your, ha at your house or whatever, not because that you're going through something uncommon that God's never dealt with in the past. My people are destroyed because they have no knowledge. So you saw that those Ephesians, that Ephesian church, those 12 disciples, they would have had a difficult life, a frustrating life had they not had Paul come their way and tell them. So after he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, no, we haven't even heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Do you know what Paul said? Oh, well, you know, Holy Spirit's not for everybody. It's just for us apostles. So I'm glad that preacher came and didn't mention him. No, he said, well, then let's get to business. And he preached to them. And then he laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And they spoke with other tongues and began to prophesy as the Holy Ghost came on them. The Holy Spirit in Peter's ministry. Peter goes to Cornelius, one of the first Gentiles to be converted. And Cornelius uh, had an angel come to him and say, fetch for Peter. He'll tell you words by which you and your house must be saved. Peter goes, opens up his mouth. He begins to speak um, the gospel. Now I know that God doesn't show partiality in every nation. No matter where you are on the earth. No matter what your background is. If you'll come to God, He'll forgive you. He'll bless you. He'll turn your life around. If you'll repent and turn to Him, He'll clean you out. As He's speaking, the Bible says in verse 44, Acts 10, 44, The Holy Spirit fell on them that heard the word, and they began to speak in other tongues. As he was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. So somewhere while he was speaking, Cornelius and his house believed on the word. And then as they believed, the Holy Spirit didn't even wait for Peter to finish his message. He moved on and baptized them in the Holy Ghost. And they began to prophesy and speak with other tongues just as it was on the day of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit, obviously, you can see from the book of Acts, was not some, you know, side issue. He wasn't something that we 
we just talked about on Wednesday night. He wasn't someone that we brought up one day a year on Pentecost Sunday where the preacher would come up and say, now today you're going to hear some weird things. You might see some weird things. You might hear people speaking in languages you might understand, not understand. Well, this is Pentecost Sunday and we're a Pentecostal church. You're not a Pentecostal church because you allow the Holy Ghost to move in one Sunday out of the entire year. You're not a Pentecost. You're Pentecostal in, number, in name. But you might as well have put Ichabod on the side of your church because the glory of the Lord hasn't moved in that church since 1986 in the last move that God had in that place. There's some places they're Pentecostal in name. They talk about being charismatic. They talk about how we need the Holy Spirit. But the moment the Holy Spirit begins to move, they get scared. They don't, they feel like they're not in control any longer. And so they put a blanket on the fire. They put water on the fire. They quench. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And what do you see in most places? They quench the Holy Spirit. The moment you see the Holy Spirit's activity, they don't know what to do and so they put an end to it. They'll kick people out. There's some denominations that began as Pentecostal denominations and now they have signs on their doors as you enter into the sanctuary, no speaking in tongues here. There's people who literally they talk about how they have so much respect for the Spirit of God and that He has a seat of honor. He has a guest seat. At this, we, Oh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you as a guest of honor. The Holy Spirit's not a guest of honor. The Holy Spirit is the man of honor. He's not a guest. He is the he, He's the very reason we showed up today. He's not a guest. He's not a visitor. He's not someone we, we, we allow him to move if, if, in, if indeed he desires to move. No, he, he's the, the filet mignon of the service. Without it, it's all just religion. Without it, it's all just useless motions without it we're just running through religious ceremonies but with him we now have power to set the captive free we now have power to bring release to the oppressed we now have power to preach the gospel to the poor and tell them the days of them being behind prison doors ended yesterday they can walk on free today bible says in john 14 he is the helper jesus said i'm gonna send you a helper and he's going to teach you everything and he's going to bring to remembrance everything that, you've, that I've taught you. He's the helper. He comes to assist us. The anointing is to assist us in the task of God that we have. Before I go on, I, I want to read what I open up my Bible to. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and beginning with verse 9. Listen to this. But as it is written, I has not seen. Ear has not heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit, if you're just tuning in now, you'd be a great help to me if you would share, uh, share this broadcast. For God has revealed them to us through his spirit. So you can't even know what belongs to you from this book unless the Holy Spirit illuminates it to you. That's why he's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He reveals what belongs to you from this book. The reading of the Bible can be very boring without revelation. The reading of the Bible can be very frustrating. I don't know. I don't understand anything. Well, you know what 
First uh, John two twenty says, "When you have an anointing from the Holy One, you know all things." And verse twenty seven says, "You have an anointing from the Holy One. You have no need for anybody to really help you and teach you, but the anointing will teach you all things and is the truth. So abide in Him. The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when He comes, He'll guide you into all truth. So without the anointing, you're never going to have revealed to you the things which God has available for you. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus told Peter this." way when he said who do men say that i am he well they said some say you're john the baptist some say you're a prophet it's all just speculation when you don't have the spirit at work in you all of this is just speculation you'll get into wrong doctrine you'll get into erroneous stuff you'll start thinking healing's not for today you'll you know you'll get into weird stuff but when the holy spirit starts to speak to you and open up David said it this way, open up my eyes that I might behold the wonders of your law. When he starts to open up your eyes, then it, this thing's the most thrilling book on planet earth. I tell you, it's exciting to get into this book. It's exciting to read about everything God has made available to the New Testament believer. Jesus told Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you know what Jesus said? Oh, wow, you've really, you've really done your study and work. No, he said, you... Man cannot reveal this unto you. That's why there's some people I can preach. We have 130 people on right now between YouTube and Facebook. There's some people that are catching on. There's some people, there's a fire lighting up in their heart. And then there's some people that'll tune in and they'll log right off. And they're, they're going to be like a, just a fish, a fish streaming through the river. That nothing's really going to get into them. They're not really going to catch on to what I'm speaking today. It's not revelation. It's all just information. Some people are going to have this broadcast be a life-changing broadcast. And then other people are going to, you know... I don't even know what he was saying. I can't, because it's not flesh and blood. I do what I can do in teaching the word by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But flesh and blood can't reveal the things of God to you. But my Father, who is in heaven, he opens up eyes the eyes of the blind, so that they might see the light of God's word to break free from the darkness of this world. Moving on, the spirit searches all things. Yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit who is in that man? Even so, no man knows the things of God except the spirit of God. I want you to pay special attention to verse 12. This is why I opened my Bible. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. I want you to write that in the comment section. I have received the Spirit of God. The Bible says if you are saved, you have the Spirit of God. Because people, they hear me preach like this and they're saying, well, you know, I can't believe he said that I don't have the Spirit. I'm not saying that. You have the Spirit of God. The, the very fact you're saved is because the Spirit of God took the blinders of the enemy off your eyes and you saw the true meaning of the gospel. The Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are the called. It is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew, it is a stumbling block. To the Greek, it's foolishness. But to those that are called, it is the power of God. It is salvation. Uh, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. So when you, when you get saved, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. He regenerates. He renews your spirit. He he brings to life the thing that died with Adam. When God created man and breathed in him the breath of life, his nature and his spirit was alive in us. When Adam sinned, 
we forfeited that and our spirit man which was created in the image of god died that's why people say we're all created in the image of god that's not entirely true we were created in the image of god in genesis 1 but when adam sinned that uh, nature that has the image of god that bears the image of god that looks like god died that's why you see people on you know hooked to sin you see people that are hooked to drugs that's why you see people in the streets staggering through the streets drunk or uh, uh, influenced and intoxicated by all kinds of foreign substances because they don't they they lost that god god's obviously not walking around staggering through heaven drunk so that image of god that was in man that spirit man died when adam sinned but when jesus came and we received the gospel and he raised from the dead and he people someone preached the gospel someone ministered to you the spirit man in you that was dead in adam came back to life and the very reason is because it was the spirit of god that quickened it in you and now we've been made alive together with Christ Jesus and we're seated with him in heavenly places. But I want you to notice something. Acts chapter 8. Let me read this. Acts chapter 8. Because before you're going to have a hunger and a, a faith and desperation to receive this mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit and the fullness of his presence, you have to lose every religious misconception or misunderstanding or poor teaching that tells you once you're saved, you have everything of the Holy Ghost that you'll ever need. It's not entirely true. You have a deposit. The Bible calls it the first installment of the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to the people. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things which were spoken by Philip as they heard and saw the miracles which he did perform. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city. And astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So what did they do? They believed Philip's word as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And it says both men and women were baptized. So they were baptized just as Jesus said in Matthew 28, that go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They, Philip went in and he accomplished that. They were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They believed on the name of Jesus. They were saved. They repented of their sin. They were cleansed from all unrighteousness. Their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. I want you to listen. Now, when the apostles, verse 14, pay special attention here. When the apostles... Who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. What was the word of God? That they can be saved. They received salvation. They sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might what? That they might just have enough strength to make it through. Now that they've saved, the devil was going to work overtime to try and harm them and hurt them. 
When they had come down, Peter and John had a ministry to those Samaritan people, and it was what? That they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, wait, let's hold up. Let's back up for a second. They just got saved. If when you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit and everything there is to the Holy Spirit, why did Peter and John go to Samaria that they might receive the Holy Spirit? Why did they waste their time? They could have stayed at Jerusalem and just had a thanksgiving and praise service. Let's just give this night to just thank God for what God did at uh, the revival he did in Samaria. Oh, praise God. We're hearing of testimonies of paralytics walking and the dead rising. Oh, we just want to commend our brother Philip for having taken time out of his busy schedule as an evangelist to go there and bring the light to a dying world. They didn't do that. They heard of the revival and then they sent Peter and John to lay hands on them. Verse 16, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. So it shows you that there's a subsequent experience. After salvation, there's a second work of the Holy Spirit. And that is to be baptized in the Spirit of God. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And notice how when they received the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just what we believe by faith. They're they're now baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, there was an evident manifestation of that work because go on to verse 18. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. So Simon saw that when the apostles laid hands on people, the Holy Spirit was given. Well, if all it was was just them standing there like a wart on a pickle, then Simon would have been like, this is all just a farce. You know, what, what, they don't carry any power. Nothing's being done. I don't see any outward manifestation of what they're saying is being done on the inside of them. But Simon, there was a visible, there was an evident manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit as he was filling people so that Simon offered them money and said, give me this power too on whom, that whomever I put my hands on, they too would receive the Holy Spirit. Anybody, I want you to write in the comment section, speaking in tongues. I'm going to move on to five things now. That happens, because we just said there's, a, there's an outward manifestation of the inward work. It's not just by faith we believe we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are five outward manifestations. There's a work that happens in and through you when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And what's baptized? Baptism in water is what? They immerse you. They, 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 they uh, immerse you. They, they put you under the water so that it covers you in its entirety. In the same vein, you know, the Bible says in Luke 3.16, everybody knows John 3.16, God so loved the whole world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, there's a Luke 3.16 in the Bible too. And John said, I indeed have come baptizing you with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe on Him who's coming after me, who's mightier than I, whose sandal straps I'm not even worthy to carry, and he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the Bible says there's something that will be seen on you when you're baptized. Just like John put people under in the water, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, and he immerses you in his power. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, let me read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, talking about the body of Christ, but all the members so of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. 
See, when you get saved, the Spirit of God, I told you, that's the first work the Spirit of God does in you. He baptizes you into the body of Jesus Christ. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. You now become a member of His body, a member of His bones, a member of His flesh. You are part of Christ. The Bible says it's no longer you who lives. Christ now lives in you. Let's keep on reading. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether we were Jews or Gentiles, Greeks, whether we were slave or free, we've all been made to drink into one, sorry, whether you were Jews or Greeks, slave or or free, and then Paul says, and we have all been made to drink into one spirit. So I want you to picture it this way. When you got saved, the spirit of God baptized you into Christ and his body, and you became a member of his body. But then Jesus comes afterwards, who's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and fire, like John the Baptist said, and he then takes you and baptizes you into his spirit. So the spirit baptizes you into Christ to get saved, and then Christ himself has his role of baptizing you and immersing you into his spirit so that you now carry his power. Acts 10.38. No doubt you know of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, and as such, he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. So when you get baptized into the Holy Ghost, Christ is baptizing you into the same anointing that enabled him to go about doing good and breaking the chains of oppression on humanity so that just like Jesus said, the works you see me do, ye shall do greater, uh, you shall do also, and greater works shall you do because I'm going to the Father. So what are five things? That the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to do today. Why do you need the Holy Ghost? Why is he so cherished? Why is he the prized possession of the church? Why is it that we can do nothing without him? Well, let me tell you. Number one, without the Holy Ghost, you can't speak in other tongues and have a prayer language. I'm not, today I'm not focusing on speaking in tongues in a church context. Because 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, you're going to talk about, uh, Paul talks about in the church context, Uh, When a person speaks in the tongues for the purpose of another interpreting so that a prophecy can come forth, so that edification can come forth in a church context. I'm not dealing with that today. I'm dealing with your own prayer language. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, it was September 27th, 2012, Thursday night at about 9 or 10 p.m. in a church service in in actually a basement of my old church, the old church building that we were at. My pastor, Pastor Stefano Giswaldi, laid hands on me and I felt the Holy Ghost come in me and without me trying, without me being conscious of it, a river began to burst forth from within and I bellowed out in other tongues and I remember like I was listening to myself speak and I, I had no idea what I was saying, but I remember like one word that I was saying it was rema, rema. So I went online and I searched it up and, you know, I tried to figure, that was just something funny that I did uh, I actually thought that I can like interpret it myself. Well, I think in, in Hebrew it meant like exalted or something like that. But you know, that that's foolish. Don't actually do that. Because you're speaking in an unknown tongue. You're speaking in a tongue, not that a tongue of a tongue of angels, a tongue that earth doesn't even doesn't even understand most of the time. So you're gonna waste your time doing that. It was a futile exercise. However, I want you to understand that that as I was speaking in other tongues, 
I felt an electrical surge coming through me. And there's things that happened after I was after I had that baptism, after I began to speak in tongues and then made a practice of speaking in tongues. That's what a lot of people don't get. They speak in tongues in a church setting when they feel the presence of God hit them. But they don't make a practice of in their own private prayer life by faith stepping out and, and, and using that wonderful weapon that God has given us, which is to pray in an unknown tongue. The reason why I called it a weapon is because the devil doesn't understand what you're saying when you speak in other tongues. And if he doesn't understand what you're saying, he has no ability to have a counterattack or to a, 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 def a defense mechanism. He has no ability to try and ruin what you're praying because you're praying literally in an unknown tongue. He doesn't comprehend it. He doesn't understand it. And so he can't do anything to stop what you're praying for that's the reason why it's a weapon another reason why it's a weapon is romans 8 i want you to listen to this romans chapter 8 romans chapter 8 and beginning with verse 26 listen to this likewise the spirit himself helps us in our weaknesses for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought so the bible tells you right there sometimes sometimes you don't even know what you should pray for how many of you if you can type one in the chat you got to praying, and you, you, you came in fired up, and then three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes in, all of a sudden you have nothing left in your prayer bank. You don't know what to pray for. You, 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 you have no more words to express what you're feeling, and you're having difficulty communicating with God. Or maybe you ran out of things to pray. You started to pray for, you know, started to thank God for what he's done. Then you prayed for your family. Then you prayed for your, your children. Then you prayed for your work. And you prayed for your career. And you prayed for your health. And you prayed for this. And then all of a sudden, you're, you look at your clock. And it's like, that was only six minutes. And now you, you feel like you have nothing else to pray for. You're frustrated with your prayer life. Well, one of the reasons the Holy Spirit is important and of absolute uh, value to you is because sometimes we don't know what to pray for and even if we know what to pray for sometimes we don't know how to pray for it the bible says the spirit helps us in our weaknesses for we don't know what to pray for nor how we ought to pray the spirit will make intercession for us and through us with groanings that cannot be uttered and verse 27 says, Now he who searches the hearts of men knows what the mind of the Spirit is, and he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So one of the wonderful ministries of the Holy Spirit is to enable you to pray. When you're praying in an unknown tongue, the Bible says with groanings that can't be uttered. Jude verse 20 says, Beloved, pray always in the Holy Ghost, building yourself up on your most holy faith. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit in your prayer life is to enable you as you're praying in other tongues to not only know what to pray, not only know how to pray, but to pray the exact will of God. The Bible says, he that knows the minds of men or the hearts of men knows what the mind of the Lord is and he makes intercession through us according to the will of God. Well, why is it important to pray according to the will of God? Well, because without the will of God, 1 John 5, 4, uh, 5.14 says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Without the will of God, without us praying the will of God, it's all just religious exercise. None of our prayers will go answered unless we catch the wavelength of God's will and begin to pray according to that, way, that, that, that will. We start to pray according to heaven's frequency, according to heaven's will according to what god 
uh, God has said. And obviously we have the word of God to show us that. We don't have to just gamble with that. We have the will of God. We can study this book, but you'll find out while you're praying in in the spirit, God will actually highlight in your spirit. They'll come to your mind. It'll get stirred up in you. Scriptures that deal with the exact thing that you're praying about. If you don't have a scripture that's tied up with your prayer, then you have no, you're, not, you're not basing that prayer on faith in God's word. You're basing it on hopeful, wishful thinking that God's going to hear your prayer. But when you have a scripture that backs up your prayer point up, then you can know that God hears you. And if he hears you, then you have the request of what you ask from him. And the Bible says the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to show you the will of God. He'll bring to your memory... John 14, 26, he will teach you the helper. When he comes, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance. He'll bring to your remembrance everything that I've taught you. So he'll quicken scriptures. There's times where I'm praying about a certain situation that I don't know uh, much about. Maybe I just have a person's head, uh, a person's face in my mind and I I just feel quickened to pray for that person. I won't pray in English because I don't even know what I'm praying for. I'll pray in, in in the spirit and as I'm praying in the spirit, all of a sudden, from my belly, you see, you have to understand this. You're a spirit being and God communicates to you via your spirit, not via your mind. You can't reason it out and you can't just try and uh, come up with some logical rationale or, or try and just uh, wrap your, your mind around it. You have to yield yourself to the spirit so that as God, God will begin to transmit signals to your spirit and then it's your spirit that will communicate it to your mind and then your mind. That's why Paul said, I'll pray with my spirit and then I'll pray with my understanding. You begin to pray in the spirit in unknown tongues God begins to drop scriptures or the situation that another person's dealing with, the exact situation, the exact thing to pray for for that person. And then you begin to pray in your understanding. Now you have English words to speak. Now you can pray with your mind. Now you can pray and sing. The Bible says, I will sing in the spirit and then I'll sing with my mind. There's some times where I'm praying for something I don't exactly know what I should pray for. I'm praying in the spirit and then all of a sudden it gets clarified in me. The word of God comes alive in me and then I begin to bubble up in English words and I have faith and boldness to storm heaven to get the result that I need. Number one, the Holy Spirit, why you need him to speak in your prayer language so that you can pray the perfect will of God and actually have a dynamic prayer life. My prayer life took a whole new turn when I began to pray in the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you get into prayer and you, you know maybe you pray in the morning. I don't know. Maybe you pray in the evening. But sometimes your flesh is tired. Sometimes you don't feel like praying. Sometimes you have to like, you know, you're like praying at 6 a.m. and you're just dozing off most of the time. And you're just, you know, your mind's not really quickened. Your mind's not really at a, a, a level of uh, sharpness at that early hour. Well, I challenge you. Before you speak an English word, just steer yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit and you'll find out that your mind's going to start turning clear. Your mind's going to get sharp. And then there's going to be a passion that comes in you, a boldness that rises in you, a fire that gets lit in you. And then prayer will not be some hopeless religious exercise. There will actually be excitement when you pray they'll actually you'll actually start looking forward to it that's what happened in my prayer life it took a whole new turn uh 
when I started to do things like that because I found out that's the biblical way to do it. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. The reason why Paul had such revelation of the word, the reason why Paul had such an anointing that just the handkerchiefs coming off his body and aprons coming off his body were brought to the sick and the sick were healed and demons were cast out, not by him going there, just the residue of the anointing on him had more than enough power to blast off works hell from, his from, from people's lives. All that came, you know, the secret of men is in their stories. Pay attention to what Paul did and you'll find out why Paul had what he had. And he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Ephesians 5, uh, 6, 18, the Bible says that we are to pray at all times in the power of the Spirit. And I can tell you, I've heard people that don't have the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Ghost pray, and I've heard people that do have the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Ghost pray, and there's a difference. There's, a, an, um, there's an incredible, evident uh, difference in the two. So number one, the Holy Ghost, why you need Him? To speak in tongues. Number two, why you need the Holy Ghost? To live in dominion over sin. J Judges 15. You need the baptism in the Holy Spirit to move out of the... A place in life where a lot of Christians stay, where they're constantly trying to like not be tempted. They're trying to like naturally fight off temptation. Oh, if I just, you know, if I just don't, uh, if, if I just, you know, shut my eyes, close my ears, you know, I'll be okay. Like almost like just trying to, you know, if I just stay in a prison cell my entire life and don't go out, you know, not in sight, not in mind, out of sight, out of mind, I, I, I won't get tempted. So there's some people that, and I, you know, that's a good thing to practice. Obviously, if you're an alcoholic or if you're a Christian at that, you shouldn't be anywhere near where there's alcohol. You shouldn't be anywhere near where there's, where there's bars or whatever. You shouldn't be in that place. How many of you know if we're not in the bars, Jesus won't get to the bars? That's not true. Those people don't live in bars. They come out. You can reach them outside. You know, obviously, there's places we don't go. There's places uh, we don't visit. There's things we don't look at. Obviously, we're not, I'm, 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 I'm assuming that I'm talking to intellectual people who have an IQ higher than the room temperature. However, we're not to like, you know, we live in this world. We live in... A sinful world. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. I live in an unclean world. We live in a world that the Bible says is under the control and manipulation of the spirit of disobedience. And the Christian life is not just us like going on the streets, keeping our head down and just keep on walking. That's not how Jesus, Jesus ate with tax collectors and Jesus ate with sinners. He was not a tax collector and he did not, he was not a sinner. The Bible says he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. When the devil tried to come and tempt him, Jesus, having been baptized in the Spirit in Luke 3 and in Matthew, uh, Matthew 3, you can read it yourself, after he got baptized in water, the Holy Ghost came on him. That was the baptism in the Spirit. When, when Jesus was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness after having been filled with the Spirit, he wasn't like, oh no, Satan, you know, I, I'm not listening to you. No, he had power to have a rebuttal against what hell was trying to do in him, against what the devil was trying to do in him. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And he used the word backed by the spirit of God in him to have the devil, the Bible says, leave for a more opportune time. So, the, so Jesus wasn't just hoping the devil didn't come his way. No, he had dominion over sin. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen to this, Judges 15. 
Judges chapter 15. You're, you're not just to like battle things year and year after year after year after year. Still battling alcohol addiction. 15 years after you came to Christ. Still battling pornography. Still battling all these things. Still battling anger and outbursts of anger. It shouldn't be where you're constantly day in and day out battling these things. When you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what life is. Because you're no match by yourself in your own strength. You're no match for the power of temptation and the power of the devil. That's why Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, brethren, a final word to you. Paul said, before I'm going to leave you, Ephesians, I've got one more thing to tell you. Don't try and be strong in your own might. Don't try and be strong in your own power. Don't try and live out this Christian life by yourself. Don't try and break free from temptation all by yourself. Don't try and just say, well, I've got inner strength. We've got to draw on that inner strength. It's it's not inner strength that's going to beat the devil. It's not inner strength that's going to break that addiction. There's a lot of people who try and use inner strength, and they just go up and down and all around. Paul said, you are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what the baptism in the Holy Ghost is. That's why Zechariah 4, 6, it says it's not by might that you're going to come free. It's not by strength. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. This is a perfect picture of what I'm saying. Judges 15. Listen to this. Judges chapter 15. And now the Philistines went up and camped against Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? So they answered, we have come up to arrest Samson, to do to him as he's done to us. And 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and uh, said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you've done to us? And Samson said, as they did to me, so I've done to them. But they said to him, we have come down to arrest you that we might deliver you into the hands of the Philistines. So his own people said, we're, you know, you've become a problem to us. The Philistines want to make war with us. Here, we're, we're going to arrest you and we're going to deliver you over to their camp. Samson said, just swear to me one thing. You won't kill me yourself. They said to him, no, but we will tie you securely. And we will deliver you into their hands, but we will surely not kill you. We will tie you securely. And they brought, they brought him bound with two new ropes and brought him up to the rock. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then, listen to this, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And the ropes that they had tied. Now, remember, these weren't old dilapidated ropes. These weren't old ropes that were pretty much a little floss that he could easily have just snapped off. These were brand new ropes, the Bible says. I love how the scripture, who, um, when, when Judges was written, the author felt by the Spirit to include new ropes. Not old ropes. Brand new ropes. Tight ropes. Strong ropes. Unbreakable ropes. The Bible says, when the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson, the ropes that were binding his arms became like flax that is burnt with fire. And his bonds broke loose from his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, took it, and killed a thousand men with it. You see what the Holy Ghost did on Samson when the fire of God came? When the Spirit of God came on him, you remember Hebrews 12 says, our God is a consuming fire. So when the Spirit of God came on him, the consuming fire of God came to burn up the ropes. 
Proverbs 5.23 says, a man's sins are like ropes that catch and keep him. You'll never live in victory over sin unless you're, unless you have been baptized with Holy Ghost fire, because you find out what the fire did to Samson, the fire of God will do to you today. Not only did the fire burn the ropes off his arms, he then received an influx of strength to take up the jawbone of a donkey and have dominion over the army that was sent to destroy him. When the fire of God falls on you today, this is why you need the Holy Ghost. You leave the place of constantly battling temptation to carry an overflow of power to set others free from the the same ropes that bound you in. I tell you in the name of Jesus, every rope of addiction, every rope of, 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 of pornography addiction, every rope of, of sexual immorality, every rope of outbursts of anger and wrath, every rope of, of um, division or envy or bitterness of hatred, every rope of, 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 uh, of, of infirmity and sickness in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. As you get filled to overflow with that spirit today, it is just like the ropes that burnt off Samson's hands. They're burning off your hands and you're walking free in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what rope hell has tied around your neck. It's burning off you right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. 1 John 3. The Bible says those who belong to Christ don't make a habit of sinning. Don't listen to any bull teaching that tells you that, you know, we live in this world. We're always going to sin every day. You don't have to sin every day. Jesus said, be perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. Peter said, be holy even as he is holy. Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, now that you've been forgiven, go and sin no more. There's power in the Holy Ghost to go and sin no more. There's power. Romans 6 says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. That you should obey it. Instead, you know what has dominion over me? A desire and drive to obey God. There was a, a dominating force that caused me to obey the devil, to go where I shouldn't go. But now there's a dominating force called the Holy Ghost in me that drives me to do righteousness, drives me to keep my hands clean, drives me to keep my life pure, drives me to keep holy. For without holiness, no man can see the Lord. I mean, even though we sin every day, you should stop sinning every day. First John 3, 7 and 8 and 9. Read, I mean, let me read this. Let me get this in you. I feel the stick on this. Because there's too many. Any doctrine that makes you comfortable with sin, run. Any doctrine that makes sin palatable to you and tolerable to you is birthed in hell. You can know it's the devil speaking. I don't care who's preaching it. He's, he's lending his mouth to the devil. Just like Peter lent his mouth to the devil and Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You should look at that teaching and say, get thee behind me, Satan. That's not for me in my house. No, when the Holy Spirit, the Bible calls him the spirit of holiness. He empowers me to live holy. I'm not falling back into sin. I'm not coming back into the ditch from which I came out of. The Bible says it's a fool that returns from the pit. It's a, it, as a dog returns to his own vomit, it's a fool that returns to his own folly. When I got delivered, I wasn't delivered to fall into a different pit. A pit. You know, there's, there's, this, there's this preaching that goes on. And they say like, you know, you might not sin like me, but you sin in some way. And so don't judge me based on the way I sin because you sin. You know, like, what? The Bible says very clearly 
that the kingdom of heaven is not in meat and drink. It's in righteousness. It's in joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. It's in righteousness, first and foremost. Righteousness. What's righteousness? The ability to live right. And the scripture says, when Christ came in you, the righteousness of God now abides in you. And it's not just a position where we can confess, I'm righteous even as Christ is righteous. That righteousness enables you to live right. Listen to this. Little children, let nobody deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as Jesus is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. He who continues to sin and tells others to continue sinning. Romans 1 says, these men not only do the, these wicked works, they approve and commend commend others to do the wicked works. They approve. They, they cheer on others to sin. Bible says that's going to be one of the marking things of the end days, that there'd be people in the church that came in by stealth, false teachers and false apostles who disguise themselves as ministers of light. Because how many? they all use the same tone. How many of you know we all sin every day? Makes it sound like, like righteous. Makes it sound like, wow, that's true, you know. Makes it sound like they're anointed. How many of you know we might not stop sinning in this life, but in the next life we'll... Finally, uh, we'll finally be holy as he is holy. The Bible doesn't say one day we'll be holy as he is holy. The Bible says we are now holy even as he is holy. And it says, let nobody deceive you. He who sins is of the devil. I'm not saying you made a mistake, you're of the devil. I'm talking about practicing a lifestyle of sin. That's right, Natasha. A compromise in life. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the work of the devil. Whoever has been born of God, listen to this, 1 John 3, 9. You should memorize this. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Simple. Simple. Well, that's not what John really said. Yes, it is what John really said. Because people, they focus too much on 1 John 1, 9. That says, if you did sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of sin, to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Almost like, you know what, I'll just sin, and then I know I can go to heaven, I can go to, to, to prayer, and I can press the reset button, and God will forgive me. So I'll do what I want to do, and then I'll just press the reset button, I'll repent, I'll tell God I'm sorry. Repentance is not being sorry for what you've done. Repentance is, yes, I'm sorry for what I've done, God, I need your forgiveness. Now, I'm going the other way, and I'm running hard in the path of holiness on the highway of holiness. Heard a preacher say it this way. Holiness is not a destination you arrive at. Holiness is a path that you keep to. The Bible calls it the path of the righteous. The Bible says it's the highway of holiness. That's what repentance is. It's not that you didn't stumble yesterday. It's not that you might have screwed up this morning. I'm not here to beat you on your head. I'm here to tell you, you can leave the broad way that leads to destruction and you can get onto the highway of holiness, which is a narrow way that Jesus said it leads to life and life abundantly. Whoever, listen to this, verse 9. Everybody loves 1 John 1, 9. Let's do 1 John 3, 9. How about that? Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For God's seed, who do you think that seed is? The Holy Ghost remains in him. Oh, hallelujah. And he cannot sin. Oh, man. This is not just, I'm trying to stop sin. Oh, I'm just trying to live right. That's because of the Holy Ghost presence in me. I can't sin. I don't want to sin. 
It's not, oh, I'm just going to try not to sin. It's, I don't want to sin. I don't want alcohol. I don't want drugs. I don't want pot. I don't want to get angry. I don't want to hate people. I don't want to be divisive. I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to be... Uh, 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 I don't want to resist God. I've submitted to God. I'm resisting the devil and he's going to flee from me. His seed, God's seed abides in me. I cannot sin because I've, born, I've been born of God. I know that for some of you today, this was like a light turned on. Where it's not, I'm trying to not sin. You just saw right now. He cannot sin because God's seed, his Holy Spirit abides in him. And he's been born of God. You're born of God. Born of God. To be an overcomer. Well, what did we overcome? If we're going to overcome, if we're called overcomers, there has to be something we overcame. You overcame sin. The Bible says, when Jesus saved you, he took out, the, took out that heart of stone. He took out that heart of, 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 that was willing to sin, that was driven to sin. That all he wanted to do and all it thought of was wicked, evil things. And then he said in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, God will put in you a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that's willing to do God's commandments. That's where a lot of Christians stop. They get born again. They get a new heart. They want they, the, the, the desire to not sin is, is no longer there, but they end there. They stop there. They don't want to sin anymore, but they keep falling back into the sin. They have a will to live holy. They want to do what's right, but they keep falling back to sin. Why? Because Ezekiel 20, 36, 26 moves on to verse 27 that says, And God will pour out His Spirit on you. And when His Spirit comes on you, you'll not only be willing to walk in the way of God's commandments, you'll be able to follow God's instructions. And that's when the commandments of God no longer become burdensome. It's easy. It's easy. Jesus said, come learn of me. Take my instruction. It's easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If serving God and keeping holy has been hard for you, you're not doing it right. You're doing it in your own strength. Today, this is why I took this time to preach on this and I spent a lot of time uh, on this specific point. Today, you're receiving the mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire, that that power is going to overflow in you, that it's not going to be you trying to live right, not by might, not by strength, but by God's Spirit in and through you. You're going to live holy. You're going to keep your garments clean. You're going to keep your lamp burning until the coming of the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to be one of those found at the wedding feast whose garments are all filthy with sin. No, just like the Bible says, in Revelation chapter 3, if you're lukewarm, I'll cast you out. But I counsel you to buy from me white garments that are white and glistening. You are going to live. Though the world goes one way, you're going to be going the opposite direction. What's popular for this world will not be popular in your home. What the world celebrates won't be celebrated in your home. You're going to go on another path. You're taking another road. And that road's not going to wind you downward. The Bible says the, the, the way of life for the right windeth upward and it turns them away from the snares of death that's where i see you going this day in the name of jesus christ if you believe that just type one in the chat and give god a mighty shout of praise wherever you're at i'm debating whether i should go through the last three i think i'm going to finish it here i'm going to finish the rest on thursday because I don't want to rush through it. And we've already gone an hour and 16 minutes. But on Thursday, tune in because I'm going to finish this. And we're going to get into the, the, we just talked about, you know, how the Holy Ghost is going to help you. But we're going to move on to how the Holy Ghost is going to move through you and help others. 
around you. And um, God bless you. I see everybody typing one. That's amazing. What a response. If you're here today, you know, I just talked about breaking free from sin. If you're still bound by sin and you're not sure that heaven uh, will welcome you when you die or if Jesus comes back, if you're not sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you need to get right with God right now. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you've given your life to Jesus Christ many times and it's just been an up, uphill battle. It's been hard. You keep falling back. You keep falling back into the sin that God keeps bringing you out of. And there's not been a, a guarantee of salvation. You haven't had what the Bible calls the, the peace of salvation. You know, Romans 5.1 says, we have been justified by faith and have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God today? Do you have peace with God? Is there any sin separating you from a holy God? If that question is not an, an absolute yes, I have peace with God. No, there's no sin separating me from a holy God. If, you're, if you didn't answer those questions those ways, you need to get right with God right now. You can't put this off. Tomorrow's not promised. Jesus can come back at any time. Every prophecy preceding his return has already been fulfilled. The last one, 1948, when, G when Israel was reborn as a nation. We're living, in the last, we're living on borrowed time. Jesus is about to come back. And he's coming back for a glorious bride that has no spot and no wrinkle. If you need to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, you need to do it right now. And I'm going to pray with you. And I want you to pray this out of the bottom of your heart. Maybe you've never done this. Maybe you stumbled on this broadcast. Maybe you're just surfing through YouTube. And I came up as a thumbnail of recommended videos. And you started to listen. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost just drew you in. And you listened this whole time. And God's working on your heart. And you want to get right with God today. Today's your day. You don't have to wonder whether God wants, wants you or not. Or whether He's happy with you or not. The Bible says the kindness of the Lord leads people to repentance. God's not angry at you. If he was angry at you, he would have killed you. He's not angry at you. Contrary to some angry preachers, he's actually, he, he, he has his hands extended towards you. And he's saying, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden. He has his hands open up like the prodigal son's father saying, return home, my son. Return home, my daughter. You've had enough of this world. Look at what it's done. Life didn't get better as you served the devil. It only got worse. But if you'll turn to Jesus and start serving God, life will get better for you. I, can, I know people say, well, they say serving God makes things easy. It absolutely does. I don't care what any preachers told you. It, actually, it absolutely does. Because the Bible says, when you'll obey me, God said, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Hallelujah. If that's you, you maybe never have done this and you want to pray this prayer with me tonight. You want to make, today, you want to make the right with God right now. You don't want to put this off to a future and, and just leave it and gamble with your salvation. You want to settle your account with God right now. I want you to pray this prayer. Number two, you want to rededicate your life to Jesus today. You want to be today, the day where you put your feet in the ground. And you say, that's the last day I'm going backwards. Oh, it's the last day I'm falling back into sin. Oh, it's the last day I'm living life in my own strength. It's the last day I'm living confused and tormented by thoughts of that I might not make heaven. Today, I'm going to leave this broadcast knowing I could put my head to the pillow tonight that my, my record's been clean in heaven. I have a blank slate with God that though my sins were as red as crimson, I've now had them washed as white as snow. But not by any earthly detergent, tied and downy and whatever other earthly detergents there are, can't clean your sin. There's no money that can clean your sin. You can't pay your way back into heaven. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can give you the remission of sins.
the abolition of those sins, the removal of those sins, so that you can be and stand before God without any sense of inferiority, without any blemish, without any spot, without any reproach. You can come before Him not saying, God, He's gone to this world. but He can be Father to you today. I want you to pray this prayer with me, if that's you. From the bottom of your heart, say, Father, in Jesus, Christ, in Jesus' name, I come to you today. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus is my Lord. Come live in my heart, Lord Jesus. Where I was weak, make me strong. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Wash me. Let old things be done away with. From today, let everything become new. I'm a new creation. My life is in your hands. And I'm going to live for you. All the days of my life, anoint me to be a terror to the devil everywhere I go. Heaven is my home. God is my father. I am saved. My sins are forgiven and I'm never going back. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to get in contact with me. Go to salvationnow.ca. The first link that pops up on my website is I just got saved. Fill out that, that form. I want to hear from you. There's also a video at the bottom of the page that I made specifically for you. Four things. If I could have 35 minutes with you one-on-one, -on -one, these are four things that I would tell you that you need to do now that you're saved if you want to ensure that you, that you stay, stay saved and walk saved and that when Jesus comes back, you'll be one of those caught up in the heaven. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.